You're listening to Fast Facts, Ask the Expert with Katrina Sanders. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ask the Expert. My name is Katrina Sanders, and I am your expert for this week as we unpack one key question that I think is sitting on many of your minds, and that is, how do you handle informed refusal of periodontal treatment? It happens, doesn't it, dentistry? It happens. You spend all of this time educating your patient. You sit down with them. You're communicating with them. You think they understand. And then you deliver the treatment plan only to be met with, "Mm, I think I'll just do my regular cleaning that my insurance covers today. Thank you very much. And now we have to respond. (laughs) Now, here's the one key piece I will say. This podcast episode is not legal advice, but I will share that in most states across the United States, having the patient sign an informed refusal form holds very little water in a court of law. When we talk about informed refusal of periodontal treatment, We're talking about two different things. We're talking first and foremost about the patient refusing the treatment. And then secondarily, the fact that the patient is now creating an expectation that we are to deliver substandard care in lieu of the level of care that we had initially prescribed. So the challenge is the patient can refuse periodontal treatment all day long they have the autonomy to do so. However, as dental providers, we have the burden of understanding the risks associated with not performing definitive periodontal treatment on our patients. And the key question, concern, or issue here then becomes, how do we create a narrative and messaging that supports our patients? The first piece I will say is that if a patient refuses periodontal treatment, your first option or opportunity truly should be to identify what is the barrier to the patient acquiring appropriate treatment. A research study was done by our friends at Aura Pharma several years back, and it looked specifically at that. What is the number one reason why patients decline treatment plans or refuse periodontal care plans? So our friends at Aura Pharma performed this research study, and what they did was they looked at several hundred patients who, in this study, were all diagnosed with active periodontitis and were all treatment planned with scaling and root planing and local delivery of antibiotic into any active infected sites. And as I'm sure you can already assume, 100% of the patients in this study declined their treatment plan. So Aura Pharma wanted to know why. Was it you didn't believe you had the disease? You didn't understand the consequences of undergoing treatment? Like, What was it that really got in the way of you successfully saying yes to treatment? And wouldn't you know it, the number one answer resoundingly in these patients, the number one reason why patients declined their treatment plan was not because of money. It was not because of insurance. Rather, the number one reason why the patient declined their treatment plan is because they did not 
trust their dental health care professional. Now, that's a pretty difficult data point for most of us to swallow because it really points to one key issue in how we communicate with our patients. And that is, how are we developing trust with our patients? And developing that trust is a complexity. It's not just, I'm nice to the patient and I asked her about how the kids are doing at cheerleading camp. It's not just, well, I'm competent. It's a flywheel of so many unique modalities that all go into building that strategy of trust in our patient population. But the number one answer as to why patients declined treatment plans for, for treatment of periodontal disease is they did not trust their dental health care professional. The second most popular answer is they didn't understand the consequences of not undergoing treatment. And the third most popular answer was they didn't even understand the recommended treatment. Cost ranked fifth in this survey which means that we have an opportunity to take a step back and recognize that it may not necessarily always be about cost, but rather looking at what the key barrier is for our patients. Now, I worked in a relatively low socioeconomic status practice for several years, and I had a unique approach to delivering an informed refusal statement to a patient. In this patient population, cost truly was one of the biggest drivers for this patient population, as you can imagine. And so what would happen is I would deliver the treatment plan. I would explain to the patient, you have periodontal disease. And in order to treat this irreversible disease process, um, putting you back into a state of stability, I cannot cure it. I can only put you back into stability. In order to do so, we need to perform this treatment plan. And if a patient said, no, thank you, I would rather do my free cleaning my insurance covers, my next question would be, do you mind if I ask what is getting in the way of you accepting this treatment? And if the patient said cost, my response was this. I understand that cost is a barrier. I understand that this is a much bigger investment in your overall and specifically oral health. So if cost is truly the concern, I would like to refer you to a local dental school or dental hygiene school where you'll be able to get your treatment either at a very reduced fee or possibly free. In some cases, you might even get paid to be a patient. Once they treat your infection, then you can come right back to me and I will continue treatment from there. You will be seen by a dental or dental hygiene student overseen by a licensed faculty member. It will take you many hours to get the treatment done, but they will do a thorough job. If I am not the one to treat your disease, please find someone to treat that disease. Every single time I've shared that, uh, with the exception of once, every single time the patient has said, I'll bring the money lady back in. Let me look at the financials again and moved forward with treatment. One time I had a patient say, that sounds terrific. I would like to explore that. And that patient actually became a board patient for two dental hygiene students. The patient had a delightful time and did in fact return to see me for a periodontal maintenance uh, every three months following that. Another key piece that I did in fact want to share is that we oftentimes are so keyed into ensuring that the patient feels like they got something. And we need to be a little bit more careful about how we integrate that. 
the mentality of, well, at least if we're doing, doing a prophy on this patient, we're doing something, according to research, is not necessarily correct. In several research studies, they have looked at the risks associated with performing what's called a single visit oral prophylaxis, which means the patient has active periodontitis. And instead of treating that periodontitis, the patient consented to a single visit oral prophylaxis. In these research studies, the research shows, and I'm going to read you some quotes from the research. The research shows there is no evidence to support the clinical effectiveness of a single visit scale and polish appointment. It goes on to say, incomplete scaling with fractured subgingival calculus is responsible for much recurrent periodontal disease and this impacts treatment success rates. The risk we're talking about is localized accumulation of pus within the gingival wall of a periodontal pocket originating from poorly managed periodontal disease. Yes, we do in fact put our patients at greater risk. Yes, we do put our licenses at greater risk. Yes, when we do not definitively treat periodontal disease, we are putting the patient at systemic risk. So when we talk about the swift handling of an informed refusal for our patients, I implore you to consider that first we should be driving home high-level trustworthy behaviors for our patients. We should be educating our patients on the consequences of not acquiring treatment. And more specifically, we should be scrutinizing what level of care are we going to respond with in order to safely address our patients' unique needs. Well, thank you for joining me, Katrina Sanders, for Ask the Expert. It has been a delight. And I look forward to connecting with you next month. Please feel free to reach me on Instagram at the Dental Wine Genist or on my website, www.katrinasanders.com. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Fast Facts Ask the Expert. If you have a topic you'd like one of our experts to answer, simply email me, Andrew, at a tale of two hygienists.com, and we will get it on the air as soon as possible. Thanks for listening.